when I found out the research behind this kind of negativity bias that it's natural, then I didn't feel guilty. You know, if you feel guilty and you're wondering, well, gosh, I love kids. I mean, is this is this okay for me to, is this socially acceptable to call this child a serial killer? Is this appropriate? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? You don't feel that way. You're, you're a normal, healthy human being. You can be negative, but you can't stay negative. Yeah. Hi everyone, I'm Kate Klein from TeachStone and welcome to the Teaching with Class podcast. Let's take a moment to consider this. When was the last time you experienced strong feelings in your classroom? Every day, right? Emotions play a huge part in what happens in classrooms every day. Working with young children is demanding, both physically and cognitively, but also emotionally. We hear a lot about young children's need for co-regulation as they're learning to self-regulate. But when was the last time you considered your own self-regulation needs? How can we process all of what we are feeling so that we can move through challenging moments and make a difference for each child in our classrooms? Well, Dr. Angela Searcy is with us in this episode to talk about how to push past it and so much more. Dr. Angela Searcy holds a doctorate in education. Her research revolves around brain-based learning as assessed by class and its correlation to aggressive behaviors in preschool children. Angela, who began as an educator in 1990, has experience at all levels of education. Currently, Dr. Searcy is an adjunct faculty member at Erickson Institute, a professional development provider for teaching strategies, a class pre-K affiliate trainer for TeachStone, and a Bureau of Education and Research trainer. Dr. Searcy is also the author of Push Past It, a positive approach to challenging classroom behaviors for Griffin House Publishing. Dr. Searcy understands that teachers have feelings too, lots of them. So let's get started with today's conversation. All right. So Dr. Searcy, thank you for joining us here today on the Teaching with Class podcast. I'm so excited. You have so much wisdom and strategies and things to share with us. So I'm really excited to get this chance to talk to you today. Oh, same here. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, well, you know, before we dive into all the tips and strategies, could you just give us some background information? What would you highlight from your research? How did you get to where you are today? And what do you want us to know to get us started? Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I guess I would say that Well, I started as a teacher in 1990. I was a teacher for 10 years. I was a therapist for 10 years. I've taught all ages from infants to toddlers to twos and preschool and graduate students. And then my doctorate is in education. And I would just highlight that, yes, my research was just something that I was so passionate about. As a consultant, I would often hear about challenging behaviors. Oh, yes. And... Yes, you understand. Yes. And I just wanted to highlight that, well, in my research, it showed that classrooms that had high emotional support and high classroom organization had less incident reports. Mm. And it's just so... 
it's so powerful. It's just so powerful that sometimes we could just feel like I don't have the money or I don't have the resources, but you know what? Having a relationship with a child, it's one of the, well, it's not always easy, but it's, it's something that is there right in front of us that are really simple things that we can do or just being organized. Or, I mean, it, I feel as though it could just give any person that works with children power to empower them to feel like I can do this and any little thing that you can do can support a child. Yes. Thank, oh, thank you so much for sharing about your journey. It, I think it gives a lot of encouragement to teachers to know that someone with the wealth of experience that you have started in the classroom, just like, just like I did so many people out there listening like oh okay she gets it so that's really helpful and to know that your research came from your classroom experience your experience as a consultant knowing about what life is really like in the classroom so like can you give us a little bit about push past it because that's your most recent effort to kind of pull all of that together and tell us a little bit about that. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, I'm so excited. So Push Past It actually developed originally from my own classroom challenges. <laughs> I had a yeah. child who was consistently biting, and this was way back, 1996. Mm. And, and I had children bite, but this felt different. And the child kept biting and kept biting until it was one day that the child just, oh, just you know, bit a chunk out of the child's face. I was, oh my, I know I was angry. Mm. I was frustrated. I felt that no one was listening to me. The child was a bully or, you know, kept biting the sweetest, smallest child in my classroom. And so when I had, you know, consultants and everyone come in and, and, uh, oh my gosh, the families were upset that, you know, they were mad. They're like, you know, us, you know, kind of thing. Like, you know, you you just, you, you feel so many different emotions. Yes. And so whenever consultants or, you know, people came in to try to support me, They talked about the child's emotions, which are, of course, important. They talked about family, and I knew the family's emotions were important. But they never really talked about my emotions and what I was feeling. And so we went on and we kind of, well, I can't say that the program worked really hard to support me and helping me to understand the reason behind this child's behaviors. And what it ended up is a child was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. Wow. As a young child. Wow. Yeah. At three. Oh, wow. And then that changed everything for me. I mean, I would kept doing strategies. They weren't working. I was doing strategies. They weren't working. And then once I heard that, I really got a sense of empathy for this child. And once I got a sense of empathy for this child, like what's happened to you? Well, why would you, I mean, this was in 1996, the diagnosis had just come out. Mm. Then I, I was like, wow, what have you been through? And once I had empathy for this child and I stopped being angry with this child, 
things started to work with this child yeah. and something so small. They told me like, be close to the child, be close. And before I was, I was not connecting with the child and their affect was really flat and mine is really perky. And so there's a mismatch and misreading of cues. But once I really said, let me just really think about being close to this child and caring for this child in my words, change from share, share, look at me. Why are you doing this to (laughs) I'll keep you safe. Mm -hmm. You know, that was Mm -hmm. the biggest, I'll keep you safe. I'll keep you close. And then things started to work. And so from that experience of me kind of pushing myself, right. To like, first of all, honor that, oh my gosh, this child, I'm tired of them. Why are they here every day? They're never absent. Right. Biting and this little serial cat. I don't know what to do. The parents are here, and I'm feeling all of this emotion. And then once I let that emotion out, mm-hmm. I did feel guilty, you know, feel guilty about it, you know, and just like let it out and, you know, had a, some cupcakes and, <laughs> and just kind of like relaxed myself and then got my emotions together. I found I was able to push past it. Yes, yes. And it's not like this denying of emotion. Yes, mm-hmm. I was there, you know? And and so push past it is where teachers can be negative. You could be negative. I'm not perfect. I'm going to say like, I'm frustrated. I'm tired. I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you absent? I, I'm going to feel all those things. And it gives you space to feel that. But then you feel that, but you can't stay there. You can right. be negative, You could be there, right? I don't want to shame educators or shame families or anyone for being a normal human being. It's a sign that you're normal and you're doing what your brain and body should be doing if you are feeling negative or overwhelmed. And then it also, when I found out the research behind this kind of negativity bias that it's natural, then I didn't feel guilty. You know, if you feel guilty and you're wondering, well, gosh, I love kids. I mean, is this is this okay for me to, is this socially acceptable to call this child a serial killer? Is this appropriate? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way? You don't feel that way. You're, you're a normal, healthy human being. You can be negative, but you can't stay negative. Yeah. That's what it was. And yeah. so... There, I found the space that I could come alongside with with other educators that felt like I did without any judgment, that we could just be there together, bond over these moments. And the acronym, I find that educators like the acronym. It helped me and it helps others. They go, okay, I've done it. I've, I've put it out there. I've talked about it. I took my walk. I got some coffee. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And now are you ready? Let's do it together. Are you ready? Okay. I never do it until an educator says, I'm ready. I'm ready to push. Let's do it. Yeah. And do you think, so um, what I'm thinking about is what you originally, you know, when we first started the conversation, you were talking about the emotional support and the classroom organization and how negative climate shows up when a teacher when a teacher is lacking in that self-regulation, right? Like maybe in the moment you do need to 
kind of shove those things aside for a second because your emotional reaction will be contagious in the classroom, right? If I'm having a negative reaction to a situation, that's just boost everybody. All the children are going to feel that. And so I might need to, in the moment with that child, take that quick breath and move on. But later on to sit down to say like, here's all the terrible things. Like, let me just tell the truth. Here are all the terrible yes. things that I've been thinking and feeling about the situation because I want to move past. I want to push past this and find a better way with this child. So there's this tension, right? As a teacher mm-hmm. to in the moment, control myself, be a model of self-regulation for the children that are learning how to do that, right? To co-regulate mm-hmm. with them. And then, but I need to take care of myself too later on, right? So how mm-hmm. do I, after I've gotten all those negative emotions out, <laughs> separate from my my moment with the child, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm now setting aside time to push past it. What do I do then? How do I oh. get started? Yes. Oh my gosh. That's a good question. So usually, yes, in the moment you're trying to like take that breath. And sometimes I'll do something in the moment that calms me mm-hmm. like, oh, we need some cranky lotion or, or whatever it right. is. Or, you know, right. <laughs> right. So I'll do those things. And then, but there is a reflection process mm-hmm. where I'm going to reflect on everything I'm feeling because if we're not processing those feelings, then that's going to impact our relationships with children and their families. So we want to take that time to process what we're feeling Mm -hmm. and then really, you know, kind of use this. Well, first, of course, like I said, I I take a walk. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll do all that work of like calm down tools for myself. Yeah. And then after I do that, then I'm ready to use the acronym. And then the acronym is like, you know, pick out the positive. Well, first I have to be negative to get get to the positive. That's okay that you go through that process. And so sometimes people are, oh, no, don't say that. Well, it's called expression. And so we must express it in a safe place outside of the classroom without children present to be able to think about what are the positives about that child? Or how can I understand that child's perspective? First, I need to to do that. I have to know what I'm feeling to be able to connect to what the child might be feeling. I need to seek out neutral support. Sometimes, yes, it gets a really good as we get to the S, right? We're talking about the P, the U, the S. The S is like, okay, it feels good when someone's like, they're wrong, you're right. You know, of course it feels good, but it's probably not really good for problem solving. So I need to have someone neutral to kind of bounce ideas out of to make sure I'm not in the echo chamber. I also want to like home in on everyone's intentions. That's that H to go, okay, I'm in my emotional self where I'm like, oh, my lesson plan is ruined. It's not ruined. The child doesn't know I have a lesson plan. So home in on that three-year-old child or four-year-old child's intentions and their intentions are to get their needs met. So it's just like these reminders to me to pay attention to my own behavior. Like, what am I doing? I was guilty of like, why are you doing this? And what is that? And and my emotions elevating. Look at me, look at me, you know, kind of thing that wasn't helpful in the moment. So I had to reflect on what I was doing, ask lots of questions and 
take a step back and take care of myself. I wasn't taking care of myself. And that's really key as well. Yeah. So you're taking this time for self-reflection to say, okay, I've said all these, I've had all these negative thoughts, but now what, what do I know about this child? What are the positive things going on here? How might the family feel about this? How might coworkers feel about this? How might the different, right? Who are the people who can help me problem solve from not just taking my side, but helping me think about different things, seeking that neutral thing and, and really trying to understand what is everyone trying to get in this situation? This child did not get out of bed to come to school to ruin my day. They, they are only trying to get their needs met. And how am I responding? What do I need to understand about the situation so I can step back, see things from a neutral perspective and taking care of myself is important so that I can respond well in the moment, right? So yeah. pushing past it isn't pushing it down. It's mm-hmm. processing it, getting different perspectives, getting ready to be planful about what to do, right? Yes. yes. So, yes. right. What do we do then? What do we do? Help us. We, there are challenging behaviors every day in classrooms. So, um, okay. We're, we're getting this neutral perspective, but we need some strategies about what to do. Right. Yes, 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 absolutely. So the first thing I would say is that create, I would say even for leaders to create systems, where's the system where teachers can push past it? Where's that Mm. bulletin board that's hidden somewhere or papers where they can write down what they're feeling and throw it in a basket or get it out, right? Where's that system for push past it that they feel safe? And also thinking about those, once you've kind of done this, this kind of like reflection, it's easy. Okay. You guys don't worry. It's, it's the same steps you use to clean up, to do your laundry, right? <laughs> to clean okay. up your act. It's the same steps. Okay. So first, first sort what you're feeling. That's the first thing. Sort out your feelings. Next, put the problem through the meaning making machine, which is just, what is the problem? What am I seeing? I have a chart called the meaning making machine, you know, on Griffin house, you could just download it. It's easy on my author page. And it helps you to think about what is the reason behind this behavior. And then you go into strategies that I have organized into three buckets, change you, change the child, and change the consequences. Hmm. So changing you can be changing your perspective. Instead of saying, you know, you know, something like share, share, you might say something like, I'll keep you safe, lowering your tone, changing your affect, adjusting and attuning with a child. Mm-hmm. I love the paperclip test. The paperclip test is just put paper clips along your collar. And every time you say it, oh, stop it, take a paperclip off. It's mm-hmm. something small to look at your own dosage. How, yes, I'm positive. How often am I positive? (laughs) Right. Let's be realistic and gather some data on ourselves, right? About how we respond in situations. Okay. So paper clips on and and keep track of how many times I might say negative things to children or positive things or whatever my target is. Okay. So it's my own data about myself. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Your own data. Then looking at the child, the next bucket is thinking about, you know, what skills can I teach that child? What things can I do in the classroom? So reflecting on yourself. Oh, look, also one thing I want to add is the environment. That's another Mm, one, right? That's that classroom organization. Like what are the three steps I, you know, okay, before transition, what am I doing? 
during a transition, what am I doing? After the transition, what am I doing? Be really concrete, laying that out, talking about that and really planning that, right? Yes. In addition to creating activities for a child when they're not upset, when it's a low stakes situation, where you're just playing with them, like, hey, reading a book, like, can I share my ice cream? Or, you know, reading a book with a child about sharing or feelings or or emotions where they're pointing or, or you write talking about emotions or talking about how it feels to share. If they don't want to do it, what can they do? Like getting a hula hoop and everything in your hula hoop that works for that child and everything in your hula hoop is yours. Right. This is what personal space is all about. This is your personal space. Yeah, absolutely. Everything outside of this hula hoop is space for everybody. Like being so concrete and so supportive of that child and reflecting on how you respond to that child. You know, a child, children don't respond well when they feel like they're in trouble. Who does? (laughs) I know, right? I'd have to say I don't respond well either in that situation. (laughs) None of us do. That's correct. So just really a child feeling, wow. Yeah, that's a good problem. How, How can we solve that? What a good problem. Just Ah, do you remember the song that goes with that? Do you remember? Where's our combing, Caddy? Where's our combing? Huh? Where could that be? Let's look around. Oh my gosh, I think I've lost my patience. Let's go get a flashlight. Is it under the table? (laughs) Where'd it go? Go find my patience. Yes. (laughs) And children lose their patience too. We could look together for patients. I love it. We can. We can. We can. And we could get our flashlight. We could find it together. And then a child can feel more comfort and knowing that I've lost mine and where's yours? And let's go look for it. I think it's under the table. I think it's under here. And then yeah. by the time you do that, what does that feel like to be calm? The child is maybe more regulated, right? At that time. And then you've done it together. Um, so yeah, just being able to use those tools to support that child and even their family. Right. Right. So you have also some thoughts about incorporating families in this too, and how they are part of the support that happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. If they need a patient flashlight (laughs) that they need to grab and say, this is yours. This is it. Something concrete that they can hold on to. That's what we all need, isn't it? Something concrete that we can grasp onto when things get hard. And that's what the cranky spray and the Flash patient flashlight and the songs and the, and the, woo, this is hot. I think we're stepping in lava, you know, and talking about those warm, oh, my face feels warm. My heart's beating fast to actually kind of go through that process. And yeah, so we share them with families too. So it bridges that what I'm trying in the classroom, parents can also try at home. So the child's getting a consistent response, right? You're talking about how we respond to children. If 
I'm responding one way, my co-teacher is responding another way, and families are responding another way. How confusing, right? If I have empathy mm-hmm. for that child's mm-hmm. perspective, that would be very confusing to know yeah. what what's really expected of me here and how am I going to be supported in getting my needs met? So yes, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what do you think about? Okay, I've seen this happen in classrooms. It may have even happened once or twice with myself, I'll just say, <laughs> where I have felt like, all right, Dr. Cersei, I've tried everything, but I have been working with this child. I've tried this and I've tried that and nothing is working. And like I try something new every week almost. And, and I'm really, I'm just out of ideas. What, what do we, what do I do now? Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. I can, I'm definitely have been there myself. So as a teacher, as a parent, as a therapist, we all have been in that space where we're like, this is not working. And you know what? That's a good space. You knowing something doesn't work is a good place to start, but that's not where we stop, right? That's a good place to start. So I would say teachers, therapists, and parents do great strategies, but we want to embody, I don't know if people have heard of RuPaul and thinking about how, you know, he works it, <laughs> but working it is all about, right? yeah, yeah, you've yeah. heard of, yeah, you yeah. <laughs> it's just thinking about how to work it. It's just thinking, you might to try too many strategies at once, mm. right? Because maybe I'm trying the best strategies, but it's too many all at once. Like you mentioned consistency. So before I try a new strategy, that's actually on my tools there, of like the meeting making chart. And I do have a working worksheet as well. Awesome. Uh, yes, yes. So that work it worksheet reminds you that it takes four to six weeks. Wow. You do things in cycles. And those cycles are four to six weeks, just like you put your clothes in your dryer and it goes through cycles. And so four to six weeks, that gives a time for the child to learn the strategy, the other children to understand the strategy. Yeah. Right. Because I'm like going, oh, so you're saying if I try something on Monday by by Tuesday, it won't be fixed. (laughs) Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I want it fixed away. I have to be patient. I have to slow down. Yeah, I know that it's going to take a while. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah. So give give it that time. Every child will want to try the strategy, except the child that you want to try (laughs) the strategy as well. So, yeah. So then making sure that you have. So so I haven't left you in the lurch. I have tools for you. And that's the other thing that, you know, I, I try to be positive, but in a way that's supportive. Like, I don't know what's going to happen with that child. I don't know if it'll take six cycles, five cycles, one cycle. I don't know, but I know that I could be there with you and Mm -hmm. I can give you tools to help you self-reflect on, am I doing too many? Am am I taking my time? Am I, am I, how am I doing this and reflecting on how it does work? And and do I have a relationship with the child? Because if we, right, if we don't have that relationship, that's also going to impact the success of the strategy. Yeah, that's the that's that foundation, right? It comes back to class all the time. That yes. emotional support is so foundational to all of that. And you mentioned classroom organization. Any other sort of class focused things you would want to mention? Oh, oh my gosh, class is just a smuggersboard and a buffet <laughs> of great supports there at the whole, I mean, even, 
And we talked about emotional support and classroom organization, but even just asking, how could we make a good line? Mm-hmm. How could we do that? That is so right there into the analysis. What could we do to solve this problem? This Wow. And you're thinking and you're, I see you tried one thing and you got a little hurt. So let's try something else right now. That is instructional support. That is that scaffolding. So class is just this huge bouquet of great strategies and ideas that help us to respond, to have great interactions with young children. Yeah. Awesome. Each domain that is really encouraging that we can look for strategies for supporting children in each domain. That's awesome. So I was wondering, you've been working with people all over the country for years now, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, all of those, right? We've all been going through it. So what is the wisdom you're gathering as we're moving to this kind of like post hopefully post-pandemic phase of things, um, how, what kind of encouragement would you offer us? Well, I would say this is that one, we're here together, right? We're going to support each other. So we have tools like on Griffin House books and things like that, that support this, right? That Mm -hmm. support, this class supports us. So that would be one thing I would say, work on pushing past it. You can be negative, Mm-hmm. Don't stay, don't stay that way. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so keeping that in mind, keeping that intense, challenging behavior and thinking about emotions. Mm-hmm. So we know that emotional support is a springboard to everything else and that foundational piece. And to really think about helping using these, this class gives us a language that we can use to say, this is sensitivity and this is emotional support. And I just want to maybe add to that during the pandemic is that those are great strategies. And you can even think about this language of just push you. I got you that you can be this way, but, and I, and I'm not going to judge you and that creating a system to help educators to push past it um, is also important. So those are some things I think are, are key is just thinking about our emotions as well as the emotions of young children and families. Right, right. I was thinking this morning about how there's certain things, I used the word contagious earlier. I don't I don't mean to sound like a pandemic person. <laughs> like that's what I'm, I'm thinking about. I have heard that there's, uh, if my, my heart rate goes up, people that I'm in close proximity to, they, their body will also start to react in that way. And I was thinking about teachers when something happens in the classroom and my heart rate goes up as a teacher, my whatever cortisol levels start to increase, right? And I'm having this reaction that will affect the children around me. And they, whether they're involved in that challenging behavior or not, they are experiencing that same thing, right? And how yeah. that. you're so right. Behavior is like a bike. Mm. And it's a tandem bike. You're in tandem with the child. The children are in tandem in the entire classroom. And so you mentioned something really important that they're learning something from that interaction. That interaction is so they're learning about themselves, what you might do when they have experience. They're learning about that child. So they're learning about how to 
like perhaps even get some strategies for themselves. What are you going to do with that child to support them? And they're listening and they're learning from that. And so I love how you said that, that they're all gaining and they're all, you're not, it's not like, no, they're not learning. They are, they are learning from this experience. Yes. And they're, they will focus just like a, a, we all as humans, I think, tend to focus on the negative, stressful moments. And when, and everybody's heightened about that. And then they become this sort of like the child with the challenging behavior comes, becomes sort of this focus of everyone's mm-hmm. energy. And when mm-hmm. we all learn how to manage that, and like you're saying, push past it, get mm-hmm. to the point where we understand what's going on for each other. We take care of ourselves, right? We gather these different perspectives and take a moment to find a new way to respond. We help build in the resiliency that we need to have this calm thing happening in our classroom because each child needs that. Yes, right. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I think I'm absolutely. getting it. I think I'm getting it. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Thank you so much <laughs> for this conversation. So our three takeaways are it's okay to be negative, but don't stay negative. Mm-hmm. Find that one small thing we can do to change my response to the child, the classroom, what's happening with the child so that the child can experience that change too. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And then making sure that we're building these relationships with children, that that's the foundation of this emotional support. And Mm -hmm. then the last and most important thing is that you have so many resources. Where can people find, you've mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. If they go to Griffin House and there's Push Past It. So they go to the Push Past It page on that page and look under where it says author, all about the author. They'll find all kinds of workshop downloadables and all kinds of meaning making charts and working at charts and why are they eating the fidget and how do I, how do, I do this? So yes, we, we we're, we got it covered. We're going to awesome. give that great support. <laughs> yes. There's so much there. It's amazing. So much is available. And thank you so much for your willingness to share all of your wisdom and expertise with us here today and other resources people can get later on. So, Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There was so much in that conversation. So here are three invitations. First, Take time to process your own emotions. Remember, it's okay to be negative, but don't stay there. Next, use strategies like push past it to build relationships and support behavior change in your classroom. Push past it reminds us to pick out positives, understand everyone's perspective, seek neutral support, home in on everyone's intentions, pay attention to your own behavior, ask questions, step back, and take care of yourself. Last, you can access tons of additional resources from Dr. Searcy on our author page on the Griffin House website. So until next time, take care of yourself and your team because what you do matters. Mm